Hi, my name is Juliette, and I'm the host for this podcast. I'm studying to be a rabbi. And in Judaism, we read a portion of the Torah. We call it a Parsha every week, um, week by week, from the beginning of the Torah to the end, from the beginning of the year to the end. And each week we analyze and comment on these Parshas, Parshiot in Hebrew. One of my great passions as a future rabbi is to bring these stories alive. Um, I hope you join me on this ancient and contemporary journey. I love to tell stories. That's what this is about. And if you miss an episode, you can always go back and find it wherever you find your podcasts. Um, you can also, I also invite you to visit my website, lenegditamid.us. That's L-N-E-G-D-I-T-A-M-I-D. Lenegditamid.us. The us is really important. Otherwise, you won't find me. And don't put an apostrophe. Okay. Um, thanks for coming. Thanks for being here. And I hope you enjoy this episode. again. So uh, this week is Lech Lecha and I'm going to talk about entitlement and majesty. You'll understand what I'm talking about a little bit later perhaps. So I heard a story last week that actually brought tears to my eyes. It was so beautiful. I don't know if thinking back on it I'm like really? But but there are moments when no it was a beautiful beautiful story. I'm making a joke about it now. Anyway it was Elizabeth Gilbert talking um about entitlement and creativity. Uh, If you know her, she is the author of Eat, Pray, Love. She's very famous. She's written lots of books. I mean, don't you love her? If you know her, you have to love her. And she has just such a beautiful, gentle voice and way of talking and so much valuable teaching to bring to the world that obviously comes out of her own spiritual journey and learning and growth. So she was talking about it, about the entitlement that we all need to claim in order to live creatively beyond our personal feel, fears of failure and whatever else holds us back. So entitlement. The story she told reminded me of Noah. I talked about Noah last week and his lack of feeling of entitlement to use his own voice and to stand up for humanity before God. And I I contrasted him in last week's uh, podcast with Abraham, who does feel entitled to use his voice in a positive way. But he doesn't do that quite yet. Not this week. That's coming soon. Um, First, he does some really messed up things. Because, you see, there's privilege and entitlement that carries and uses power in one way. And then there's a feeling of privilege and entitlement that you can choose to take even if the world says that it's not yours for the taking. You know what I'm talking about, right? There are people who use their power and entitlement in a really positive way. And then there are those who say, I don't, I'm not entitled to any power or entitlement. I don't have any of that. I'm poor. I'm whatever the story is, right? But in the end, either way, Elizabeth Gilbert says, well, I say, it depends on how you use it. 
I mean, that's kind of the message of her story. So this week, Abraham, who's still Abram or Avram, before God changes his name to Abraham, he uses his privilege and entitlement in a way most of us would not want to model. Like he asks his wife Sarai, and yeah, she's still Sarai. She hasn't had a name change yet either to Sarah. He asks her to lie. They've gone down to Egypt. Um, his, let's go back a little bit. God says, Lech Lecha, go out into the world and leave your father's home to a land that I will show you. And he's going to make all these promises to Abraham. And Abraham is breaking away from an old mold and he has to create something new and go out into the unknown. That's pretty scary, right? And he is scared. So they arrive in Egypt. This is way pre-slavery. And there's Pharaoh and Abraham wants to, he wants to be successful there, right? And he's afraid. He has this beautiful wife, Sarai. So he's still Avram, I said, right? Um, and he's afraid that Pharaoh will kill him if he knows that this is his wife and just take her for his own wife. Well, so he says to Sarai, Avram says to his wife, um, just, just say that you're my sister. Don't say that you're my wife because otherwise they're they might kill me. You're so beautiful. Wow. Compliment or what? I don't know. Uh, not a good thing. And she does without asking any questions according to the Torah. And we hear nothing of this experience from her point of view, which I think is also note worthy. So Abraham's actions, as we know, come from a place of fear. So we can be a little bit compassionate. But the fact that he even thinks this could be at all justifiable to ask his wife to do such a thing illustrates the power dynamic of society at the time. And of course, I want to say at the time, well, this is a power dynamic that's just beginning to change now after millennia, as we know. Just just a little side note. And it shows a privilege and an entitlement on his part as a male figure who's more concerned for his own life and wealth than his wife and what this might do to her. It's pretty messed up, right? But why shouldn't he feel entitled? God has spoken to him directly, promising him the stars and the moon and a long line of, line of progeny, power and wealth. Like Noah, Abraham has been chosen. Sarai, in her own way, in her own social standing, she also feels entitled. She hands her slave Hagar over to Abram as a wife. And she tells him to, you know, well, I can't give you a baby. So I, I didn't say that, but you probably know she's barren, right? The famous story that she gives birth at the age of 90, 99. What? I, I can't remember the ages all the time. Um, one's 90, one's 99, one's 100. I don't know. Anyway, um, it's all the same in the end, right? <laughs> um, so she feels entitled to say, okay, Hagar, you're going to Abram and you're going to produce an heir. And Abram, this is what you're going to do. It's pretty, it's pretty amazing that she has that kind of agency in that way but she also is handed off as a 
as wife to Pharaoh. Like she just goes to live with Pharaoh and she doesn't seem to have any agency there. I think that's, that's a, that's a really strange, um, and the power, you know, power dynamics. We could delve into that, but another day. Anyway, so later when Ishmael is born to Hagar, Sarai, out of jealousy, uses her privilege again to send Hagar off to die with her baby Ishmael in the desert. They don't die, but what happens is horrifying, except that God is going to make Ishmael the head of a new people. Yeah, Islam, as you know, as you may know. Um, so using privilege and entitlement in a way that is not so good um, Elizabeth Gilbert tells a story of so now we're coming to her she tells the story of this awful weather day it's like sleeting sideways in New York City it's cold it's nasty out and where she normally walks she gets on the bus a crosstown bus in Midtown and if you know anything about New York City in the wintertime in nasty weather a crosstown bus like slow miserable super crowded and this is way before the pandemic like normal awful and so if you can imagine the steamy breath of everybody on this crowded bus and everybody's just having this shared human experience of total discomfort and misery and then suddenly the bus driver speaks through his microphone and he says ladies and gentlemen I'm your bus driver I want you to know that I can tell that you've had a bad day and I'm sorry this traffic is so bad and I'm sorry the weather is so bad and I can't do anything about that but I have an offering I want to make every one of you when you walk off this bus when you walk by me I'm gonna put out my hand palm up and you're gonna be placed in my palm all your troubles and all your worries and when I get to the Hudson River I'm gonna throw all your pain out into the river super creative beautiful crazy thing to do in New York City and it actually broke the trance of the riders and everybody burst out laughing and and lo and behold, even though it was this, you know, really silly thing, every single person took him up on his offer. And some people, she said, you know, just laughed when they did it and placed, but they all placed something in his hand, imaginary, something imaginary in his hand. And some people bowed to him and some people, you know, as they, did, as they placed something imagine, imaginary in his hand. And Gilbert says, this man felt entitled. He believed he had the right to interrupt the air, these are her words, with the vibration of his voice and his idea and invite people to open their hearts and make his bus ride, which he did every day, into something newly evolved. With this simple offering, this man transformed the people on the bus and himself. And I want to say, who knows the effect it had on these people as they went about their lives after this? What are the ripple effects? Everything we do has a ripple effect. And this bus driver, with no apparent power, created a piece of magic out of the mundane. 
Elizabeth Gilbert calls, she says, it doesn't have to be majesty to have majesty. It doesn't have to have majesty to have majesty. And it's true, he's just like this simple guy, right? Abraham, though he's promised so much, and he has so much access to majesty and wealth, real majesty and wealth, he has so little faith that any of God's promises will actually come to fruition. Or he wouldn't have done all that he did, like all that messed up stuff. And if he had had faith, he probably would have acted quite differently. And the same is true for Sarah. This, quote, simple bus driver in Gilbert's story, with no apparent power, took the power of his imagination and his voice, and he changed one small corner of the universe. We don't know exactly how, but Abraham's and Sarah's different use of privilege and entitlement would definitely have transformed their tiny corner of the universe. And it might have, we don't know, but it might have affected generations to come. I, I believe that's true. I mean, if you read Torah, if you read the Bible, it says your sins will be, will be uh, enacted on seven generations to come. So the good things that we do, the positive things that we bring into the world, gets passed down through the generations too and we know from we know from um, science now that this stuff goes into our genes trauma goes into our genes there's a lot of trauma passed down through the generations and so many people feel so powerless over the overwhelming current events of the world but we do have a choice we can choose to be like Abraham and submit to our fear and the power structures that exist or we can decide we are entitled to use our voices in big ways that challenge existing power structures and also in small ways that challenge power structures if you think about abraham and sarah in their small world and it was a very small world and how they related to each other and how things could have been different that would have been challenging the power structures of the time, time for, for Abraham, for Avram not to, not to offer his wife, not to ask her to, to, to pretend that she was his sister. And Sarai, I mean, what kind of anger was there? What kind of resentment that she would treat Hagar in such a way? And the jealousy... What does all of that say? Are all our power structures? So I just want to end with saying, if we can feel so entitled to use our power, to take the power, we can take God's commandment to go forth to unknown lands and bring more majesty in the world, into the world. If we can take that power and use it in a positive way and that entitlement. Thanks for listening. Visit my website, please, lenegditamid.us, L-N-E-G-D-I-T-A-M-I-D dot us.
that's how you'll find me, Juliet Elkind Cruz. See you next week. Bye.